Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After investigating Jessica's house, the attorneys and Tyronicus discover that she is actually a serial killer who wrote all her murders down in her novels. They proceed to investigate the mausoleum where Frank is buried and discover an orb that seems to be controlling the town. As its hold over them tightens and they lose control, Jessica herself appears. She unsuccessfully attempts to dissuade them when Jessica's boss, Hagatha Christie, appears. She addresses Bahamut and then replays Dot's final moments, where Jessica stabbed her to death. She then orders Jessica to shatter the crystal, killing Dot permanently. Before they can dispatch the rest of the attorneys, Ostrogon appears. He pleads with Jessica to change her mind before Hagatha stabs him in the back. With the last of Ostrogon's strength, he opens a portal beneath Gary, Thomas, and Tyronicus and utters, Never too late. I do declare your honor is back in session. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hagatha grunts as she wraps her long, curled claws around Ostrogon's ears and pulls, severing his head from the rest of his body. You watch as thick, dark red blood drips down onto the floor off of a cracked vertebra. She turns it over in her hands, pockets his very stylish sunglasses, and tosses the head toward you, Jessica. Roll a dexterity check. Okay. Minus one, so that brings it to a 17. You catch Ostrogon's head perfectly, and his now lifeless eyes Ah! seem to stare questioningly Ah! into yours. I I wasn't expecting that. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, hi. Just hold on to that for me, dearie. Yeah, sure thing, you know, I, yeah. I'm pretty good at holding things. Like I've been holding my bladder since he threw this at me. Oh, (laughs) shit. I'll give you this much, dearie. Very slippery bunch. The powers that be won't be too pleased with that little escape. Ah, well, you know, I feel like I was kind of the strongest member of the team there, so I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they won't last long without me. Certainly. Oh gosh, it, you really just clean severed there. Wow. Oh, okay. I like to be thorough. I must admit, I was beginning to doubt your commitment, but you acted firmly and without hesitation. Colored me impressed. That said, 
your advancement in our organization has been under intense scrutiny. Truth is, with the boys gone and Bahamut still out there, for now at least, I fear we will both be in hot water. Both? Wait, I... I mean... Oh my, okay, well, uh... I, I, I'm, I'm certainly gonna try to get us, get us out of, out of the pot and into the fire, or... No, wait, that's not the right expression. That, that would be bad. Uh... No, let's, let's turn off the heat and let's, uh, let this simmer at a nice jacuzzi level, I think. That would be nice, yeah? I could certainly go for a nice hot tub right away now. However, there is a little something we might be able to pull off. Something I've been meaning to get to for quite a while now. If you can prove yourself, perhaps the higher-ups might be able to overlook this little incident. Are you interested? Oh, absolutely. Anything, uh... <laughs> anything to overlook a, a little incident like uh, like that, yeah. <laughs> well, I warn you, dearie. There's no turning back after this. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I, I'd say I'd say I'm sure. Yeah, no time like the present, they say. Yeah. Sensing your nervousness, she puts a hand on your cheek. Jessica flinches just slightly. Yeah, and you feel she is now in her undisguised hag form. Uh, and you feel those long curved claws kind of rest on your cheek and she says, Very well. Then she turns around and starts laying down a ring of dark gray powder around the orb. Something about this seems primal, almost ritualistic to you as she hunches and hobbles about scattering dust from her feathered fingers. First things first, the chick is up here. The boys will no doubt try to use Rabbit Cove against you. If you need to say your goodbyes, I suggest doing so now. Oh, I, uh, okay, yeah, uh, th- th- thank you for the warning, I, I appreciate that. I, um, I mean, is it, is it necessary to, to, I mean, what, what could the boys possibly use Rabbit Cove for? I mean, <laughs> you have an entire town under your spell, and they know where the orb is. Yeah, I, I, I suppose you're right. I, you know best. Um, okay, uh, and Jessica will depart out of the inner sanctum of the mausoleum to take one last kind of wistful look. She's still holding Ostrogon's head. She's kind of forgotten mm-hmm. that she's been <laughs> holding it. And uh, she realizes as she, as she emerges and she kind of sets his head down on the side of the entrance of the mausoleum and she runs into her home to just kind of take a look around. She goes over into the bedroom, goes to the bed, kind of touches the side where Frank would sleep and goes, uh, well, uh, I guess, uh, sweetheart, it's, uh, I mean, I know physical places aren't necessarily, uh, indicative of of who you are as a person but you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna miss being able to come and visit where you where we shared our lives together but uh and she she just kind of falls silent for a moment she then goes to the bedside table opens the drawer and takes out a love letter from frank and puts it into her purse that she goes out of the bedroom and into kind of like the living space and just double checks the bookshelves for uh, any 
important books and things, any extra copies of her spell book that she might need. You start rifling through the bookshelves, you see that they have definitely been searched recently. You see at least one copy of all of your hit novels open on the carpet or on the couch, along with the matching journals where you recorded all of your nefarious deeds. Ah, well, I see there was uh, no use denying to the boys before. <laughs> they're, uh, they're quite the investigators. I suppose that's why Hagatha's doing what she's doing. And uh, with that, Jessica will exit the home, close the door, take one look back. And then as she's kind of standing on the porch, looks out to the rest of Rabbit Cove, it's morning of the second, 22nd? Mm -hmm. How early? Is like the sun still rising or? The sun has just risen. It's just above the horizon. As she's looking out on the town, Jessica takes in the sunrise on the town, the way the light plays with the different buildings and the different colors of the different buildings and the shadows that form along the ground. And she breathes in one last time to kind of get that smell of home. And then she suddenly gets a look of resolve over her face and she goes back into the mausoleum, into the chamber and goes, all right, well, uh, I'm ready to uh, help with anything that you might need in uh, moving forward with this. Let's get a move on. Hagatha hobbles down the red and black tiled path and up the stairs of the mausoleum. With each step up, she seems to straighten out a bit. Her feathers recede and her wrinkles disappear with each click of her heels. She emerges beside Frank's casket, looking her usual stunning self, as she reapplies purple lipstick while looking into a small hand mirror. <sighs> so, which one's yours? She says, gesturing to a very distraught Tony in popcorn. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, technically neither of them. My horse, uh, well, he kind of kicked the bucket, uh, oh gosh, several days ago at this point. Um, but between the two, I'd say I'm more attached to Tony. Sorry, Popcorn. Popcorn just looks down at the ground very sad, like almost understanding, you know, like, like I get it. And then Tony looks up at you and just cries. Like you see two streams of tears running down his eyes. And, uh, Jessica will go up to Tony and kind of wipe away the tears and go, listen, boy, I'm Anthony. I'm, I'm sorry. I... I know this isn't uh, exactly. I know this isn't exactly how we envisioned things when we started this journey, but I believe me, believe me that uh, I, I'm trying to do what's best. You know. He nods his head very sadly, as if accepting his fate, almost as if he knows what it's like to just be taken and not, not to be given a choice. And with that, Jessica will start to sing into Tony's ear to try to put him to sleep. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Does he have 24 HP or less? Yes. All right. So Jessica starts to sing, baby mine, don't you cry. Baby mine, dry your eyes. Rest your head close to my heart, never to part, baby of mine. Listen, can't we hold on to Tony? He's He's got a certain sentimental value, and he's proven very useful in our investigations. If we hold him, 
I think he could prove useful in the long run. Hagatha raises an eyebrow at you and says, Well, I was going to tell you to ride him. Oh! <laughs> Sorry, I just, I got caught up in like the spreading of the dust thing and say your goodbyes. Girl, you need to be a little bit more explicit with the what's exactly going on with me. You don't need to keep the air a mystery. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> well, all right. The, and, and she goes up to Tony and tickles him behind the ears. And he wakes up. <laughs> And then he sees Hagatha and he goes, and he turns around. Oh, Tony, I, you know, silly me. I thought we were going to be in trouble here for a set. Uh, well, not me, but I thought you might be in a, bit, in a spot of trouble, but everything's going to be fine. So, uh, let, yeah. Do you want to head out now? Tony just nuzzles up next to popcorn as if to go comfort his friend. But then Hagatha looks at you and says, well, bring the other. We're going to need it. Oh, and toss me my trophy, will you? Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, Jessica stoops down to the exit of the mausoleum, picks up Ostrogon's head, and uh, she tosses it up into the air and then serves it like a volleyball over Jesus to... Jesus Christ. <laughs> my boy! My boy! And serves it like a volleyball over to Hagatha. Oh, I don't even want to play this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You asked for this. Okay, Hagatha catches it with delight. And she ties up Ostrogon's head to the side of a beautiful, muscular, chestnut-colored stallion with an elaborate saddle sporting backrest and all. She mounts up and says, Ready to go? Absolutely. And uh, Jessica, knowing that Tony is used to carrying a goblin-sized person, instead mounts up on popcorn mm-hmm. and goes, Tony, you've been carrying a lot of weight around already, and now a lot of emotional weight, too, so uh, you, you, you just you just kind of follow along. You see, popcorn, he looks up, and accepting his position, he, he does his, like, very steedly pose, but it looks like his eyes are watering, too. And Jessica kind of strokes his mane and goes, Popcorn, you know, I... She she asked which one was mine, and, and I mean, I cared about Wade a lot, but I mean, Thomas just, Thomas just made you out to be such a, such a clone of himself, but I'm sure you have your own special, unique personality, and I give it a nice little stroke. Popcorn actually looks away from you, and Tony comes up as if to comfort him, and you begin riding off. You ride out of Rabbit Cove. First, you descend the hill, your house rests atop. And as you skirt by the orchard, you see Gregory the turtle and his son Liam waving at you with big, blank smiles. You pass Captain Kurtowski's and stare out at the beach where you killed Adelbert, giving birth to your hit novel, The Pocket Full of Deadfish. You zoom past the town hall and the general store, trying not to dwell on the thoughts. And at the northern end of town, you see the twin needles. And who do you see knitting on their rocking chairs but your dear old friends, Gwendolyn and Maggie? As you ride past, their eyes widen with disbelief, and Gwendolyn shouts out, Jess? Jess, is that you, dear? Oh, hi, hi, uh, hi, Gwen. Jessica, where have you been? It's been so long. Jessica slows down and, like, brings popcorn to a stop, and she goes, yeah, it's uh, it, it, I I uh, moved out east for a little while there. Uh, was uh, pursuing the whole law thing. It's uh, it's good to see that 
you're still kicking and doing well. Maggie is, is listening and knitting, and you see a big, bright smile come across her face, and she says, Are you back for good? Um, no, it was it was just a oh. quick stop and, a, oh. and a, a, a long goodbye, I suppose. Well, maybe you can come inside. We can play some bridge. Uh, I, I, I can't today. I, I, um, oh. sorry. Uh, quite busy, you know. You know me. Just, uh, always got something going on. And Jessica kind of looks down and can't quite bring herself to make eye contact. Maggie looks down at her knitting and says, I understand. We'll always be here whenever you have the time for good old Gwen and Maggie. <sighs> Jessica, um... Hearing that, kind of just stares down at the ground, unable to bring herself to say anything. And kind of quietly to herself, she she just kind of goes, Yeah, I, I wish and hope that was the case. And then she kind of takes a deep breath, looks up, smiles, and goes, Yeah, girl, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, my brain, whoo, just flying at a thousand miles per hour. Uh... Take care of yourselves, okay? You too, Jess. You look tired. <sighs> yeah, you know me working myself to the bone always. And with that, Jessica will uh, carry on following Hagatha. You do so, and as you leave the Twin Needles, you see your friends Gwen and Maggie seem to uh, begin to chat amongst themselves. Finally, outside of town... Agatha pops on Ostrogon shades as the sun begins to rise, leaning back in her high back saddle. She pops her hand mirror open and looks into it, snapping her fingers. And as she does, you feel a deep rumble. Then a massive burst of wind pushes your hair forward and into your face as you hear an explosion unlike any you've ever seen. It only lasts a moment as you are temporarily deafened. In the silence, you turn to look behind you, squinting in the bright white light. A massive ball of energy radiates out across Rabbit Cove. At first, it's a solid white sphere, but then it erupts into bursts and beams of multicolor radiant light, like a beautiful firework show. Then, you hear a ringing in your ears as the energy dissipates every which way. Just as quickly as it began, it's over. Lying behind you is a scorched, hilly landscape by the sea. Jessica just stares out into oblivion as one single tear forms at the corner of her eye and then drops and rolls down her cheek. She wipes it away, takes out her mirror and fixes her hair, folds up the mirror, puts it back in her purse, turns to Hagatha and goes... All right, dear. Where to now? Mallow and Shores. And you ride on toward Mallow and Shores. We're halfway there. So quit your complaining. This, this is the halftime ad with Nikki B. Oh my god! Can you believe that? Well, I can't, because I don't know what's going on. 
That's right, you, dear listener, know more than I, the great Nikki B of Sparta. I have been forbidden from listening to this entire session of evil. But they can never forbid me from the halftime zone. Guys, I'm so bummed. I can't listen to this episode. I need my Drimbus fix. Wait a minute, hold on. I got it. Holy guaca! What the? You're telling me there's more Drimbus content? Haunted Hearts? A goofy, scary haunted house series? C caffeine kisses? A, a coffee shop romance betwixt Michael P. and Nikki B? Back to basics? A whole series where the Drimbus cast goes through traditional D&D adventures like most lost- oh, Like Lost Minds of Fandelver in the chaotic fashion? DM by Michael Poseidon? What's this? They're trying to unionize goblins? Hold on. Oh, you gotta hear this here. Listen to this shit. Amanda? These guys have a death wish. They're gonna drown. I'm right with you, kid. Like, the hairs are standing up on his back as he's still <laughs> just sitting on the shoulder. That's a five. Yeah. But it's only five feet. So, meets it, beats it. You just miss it, and you land, like, two feet from the other side, and you cause, like, a big splash. <laughs> Watch it! Do I land on Summer? You just miss Summer, hey. but the splash does splash up against the fanny pack that <gasps> contains Winter Winters. <laughs> no, please don't drop me, please! So on the east side of the stream... Flowing from the cave mouth, a small area in the briar thickets has been hollowed out to form a lookout post or blind. Wooden planks flatten out the briars and provide room for guards to lie hidden and watch the area. Including a pair of goblins lurking there right now! Roll for initiative! <laughs> oh. Nine... They just watched us fuck around in the stream for like five minutes. Yeah, for real. I kept trying to read the description because you guys were being loud enough where I was like, obviously the goblins see them. That's fair. I rolled a one and I have minus one. So that's a zero for Summer. Okay. That's a 20. Summer's initiative is just, it, it's zero. So I think he's just continuing to s swim in the stream. <laughs> He hasn't seen the goblins. It's zero initiative. You have literally zero initiative. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. If you want to hear the rest of this series and all the others, our behind-the-scenes show after the Drimbus fangirl with us in our Discord, make items for the campaign, or even play with us, then check out patreon.com slash Drimbus and join the ranks of our beloved patrons who I am about to thank. Thank you to each and every one of you, Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Victoria Madrid, Greta and Beignet, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, Thomas Murphy, Emrys Craig, Regina Russell, Morgan Holly, Salty, Adrian Bundy, Sam Olivos, Jordan Cobb, The Unnamed Rogue, John Gillette, Chloe G, Con Air on DVD, NB Star, Stevie B Keys, Doubtful Guest, and Michael Richters. 
What are you waiting for? Go add your name to the list and hang out in the halftime zone with me. Please. I can't leave into the rest of the episode. I, I'm actually stuck this time, so uh, I'll be here. I'll be waiting. After a few hours of writing, Hagatha begins to slow down. The terrain has changed from grassy seaside hills to a shore of gravel and jagged rocks jutting out of a turbulent ocean. A ways out, you see a pier leading to an enormous lighthouse. The gray and desaturated oxide red structure looms over you imposingly. You spot some signs in the road pointing in various directions to different towns, but Hagatha pulls in toward the lighthouse and begins to hitch up her horse. You walk up the pier, the scent of salt water filling your nostrils. You'd forgotten how much you missed the salty ocean air of your home. There's a heavy metal door painted that desaturated oxide red. Hagatha pulls out her mirror. You see that it does not reflect her face, but rather appears to be showing her the opposite side of the door. She snaps her fingers, and you see the lock turn as, right in front of you, the door slowly creaks open. After you, Didi. Oh, why, thank you. It's so gracious to allow a guest to enter first. Wow, just the politeness. I can never just get over that. Wow, thanks. And uh, Jessica enters the lighthouse. The inside of the lighthouse is rather inconspicuous. The ground floor seems to have been turned into some manner of sitting room complete with leather seats, small tables, and generic happy signage that reads, There's no place like home, and never kill a seabird printed on reclaimed wood. There are stairs leading up and down. Hagatha gestures to the spiral staircase leading down and says, There's someone I'd like you to meet. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, and Jessica will start to descend the staircase. I love meeting new people. You know me. Uh, I mean, especially after uh, <laughs> losing a couple of uh, old friends and new friends, it's always nice to make a, make a new acquaintance that hopefully might be a nice friend to have. And Jessica kind of trails off. Sure. <laughs> As you descend, the scent rapidly changes. You smell incense, and there seem to be torches with colored flames and sconces on the wall. You see what looks to be some manner of office-slash-studio-apartment-type space. There's a large L-shaped desk with multiple neat stacks of papers in little bins. Behind it, Lining the walls are various filing cabinets. On the other end of the room, atop an enormous carpet, is a large, round, pink bed. You see a kitchenette and... Hold up. Are those litter boxes? An orange tabby rubs up against your shin. Oh, well, hello. You must be the one I was supposed to meet. And Jessica reaches down and picks up the cat and starts petting the cat and goes like, oh, my goodness, aren't you just the most precious little thing? What's her? What's his or her name or, or their name, uh, Hagatha? As you pick up the tabby, a small black kitty quickly darts across the room in an act of sudden parkour. And then, you see, from beneath the desk, before Hagatha has a moment to answer you, a warforged rises, triumphantly holding a long-haired white cat. Oh, hi, that happens to be Ross that you're holding, and then Real's the little one that just scurried right past you. And this one in my arms is Rashad. Say hi, Rashad. Oh, well, hello, Rashad. It's nice to meet you, and uh, Ross as well, and uh, 
Who was the other scamp that ran away? Rio. Rio. Oh, wow. My goodness gracious. <laughs> this is Barbara. Barbara, dearie. Agatha says, giving her a tight hug. You're familiar with Miss Felcher? <gasps> oh my goodness. Are you just... Jess, I've heard so much about you. It is so nice to meet you. And Barbara is gonna like drop Rashad on the floor and gesture arms out, go towards Jessica, going in for a big old hug. Uh, Jessica puts Ross down quickly and uh, reciprocates the hug as uh, she goes, oh, well, it's just an absolute gosh darn pleasure to make your acquaintance uh, shit. I just forgot the name already. Mm. Goodness gracious. Oh, please. Barbara. Call me Barbara. Call me Babs oh. if you really want. <laughs> Babs. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. You know, there was this um, this singer that came through uh, and stayed at the tavern at Rabbit Cove. Well, formerly Rabbit Cove. That <laughs> She was just absolutely wonderful. A voice to die for. Oh, well, you'll have to tell me more about her later. How about I put some coffee on? Tea? Haggy, how did everything go over at Rabbit Cove? A few hitches, but I do think it's time for that promotion we discussed, she says with a wink. <gasps> Stop. Stop it right now. Don't you, don't you, and Barbara's like pointing at Haggy, like, don't you play with me now, Haggy. Don't you dare. <laughs> Agatha's like giggling a little bit and covering her mouth with one of her hands and pointing back at you. Oh, oh, you're so bad. Oh, you're so bad. <laughs> stop it. Stop. Stop. No, you. You stop it. And Babs is just like play slapping her hands like, no. Stop. <laughs> she she kind of gets away from you for a second because she's like, she's getting kind of overcome. She goes, oh, no. Barbara, you've done such a marvelous job helping me keep track of everything. With phase one nearly complete, I want you to have an active part in what comes next. Both of you. But first, you'll have to complete a little task. Oh, okay. A task, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I'm nothing if not a sucker for a good task. Hagatha takes a seat at Barbara's desk, letting her hair down from the tight bun. She flicks her hand mirror open and turns it toward you. Barb, Jessica, you both have your mirrors, of course. What you possess are mirrors of farsight. Not unlike mine, they're made of a special obsidian glass that's been refined to better reflect magical frequencies, allowing you to communicate with another terminal, aka mirror, at some other location. However, Refine the glass further still, and you can create what's called a mirror of far reach. She runs her fingers along the purple casing, and the mirror produces an image that appears to be from the roof of the lighthouse. Hagatha snaps her fingers, and you see a purple bolt of electricity shoot down outside, as even here in the lower levels, you hear the powerful crack of thunder. Not just communication but manipulation. Proper spellcasting, as if you were stood at the spot you're observing. When it comes to taking power, being present just about anywhere could be quite useful, don't you think? Well, I would certainly say so. What do you think, Babs? And I kind of smack her shoulder. Oh, oh, Jess, you and I are gonna get along just fine. Oh, I'm totally in, Haggy. Come on, what do you think? 
She smiles, and you see her pale skin kind of blush a little bit. And she says, Trouble is, this quality of obsidian glass is rather rare and coveted. We've managed to locate a large vein in an ancient ruin not too far from here. Clear out the cavern, retrieve the obsidian in good condition, and you'll be on your way to proving your tenacity to some of the higher-ups. Well, clearing out a cavern, that seems uh, pretty straightforward, and absolutely, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, if I'm willing to let my hometown be completely decimated at this point, what am I not going to say yes to? <laughs> oh, that's the spirit, Jess. Just give me a second to change out of these slippers, and I'm going to go put on some sneakers, and we can get going. Would you mind brewing Miss Felcher here a cup of tea? Oh, of course, Haggy. Would you, do you want anything, too? Oh, I'm quite all right for now. Maybe when you get back. Okay. And Barbara's going to go into the little kitchenette and start putting the pot on. So, you're headed to Firefall Valley. Oh. Roughly a day's ride northeast of here. Hagatha points to a bright cartoony map of the region on Barb's desk. You can take the main road out and follow it to the valley. Barb, honey. And she pulls you in for a sudden light but passionate kiss. We got you a ride on the way. No, you did not. We did. Haggy. Haggy, stop. You're playing with me too much today. <laughs> oh, I just can't help myself. Well, what? Well, what is it? It's a horse. <laughs> oh, ow, ow. Okay. I, I, what, what was that one's name? Uh, Jessica again? Uh, which one? The 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 short, handsome one or the or the taller, more efficient fella? Oh, I... I think Barbara's partial to a short, handsome fella. Oh, uh, that that fella, his, his name's Anthony Tony the Pony for uh, for short. Oh, Tony the Pony. Now that's something I could get used to. I like that. I like Tony. Available now on redbubble.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just go get ready, okay? And we can maybe leave uh, once you have your cup of tea and um, any of the details we need to know about Haggy? That sounds good to me. Once you arrive, look out for the entrance to the ruins. They should be easy enough to spot. Well, okay. Fantastic. And you know, I'm not feeling too parched, so we don't have to worry about that cup of tea. I don't mean to put you all out as I'm a guest. Oh, my goodness, my you know. Jessica, please. It's been ages since I've been able to treat someone to a cup of tea in our own home. Please. Ah, uh, well... Well, thank you so much, Babs. I appreciate that. You mind if I call you Babs or do you prefer Barbara? I, I oh just want to make sure that I'm doing Call me wrong. Babs. Call me Barbara. Call me Bobs. Call me whatever you please. I'm partial to sweet tits. Oh, Haggy, stop it. <laughs> You're so bad, Haggy. And like, I, I kind of like playfully slap at her as well. She, I don't know, shows you her alignment chart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bob's going, she's changing her shoes, she's getting ready, she gets a little purse on, she's like, okay, all right, I'm ready to go. During this, Jessica heard the tea kettle start to whistle, and she uh, runs over, and she goes, oh, I, don't worry, I'll take care of that, you just get changed, and uh, Jessica runs over, takes the tea kettle off the stove, finds the teapot that Barbara had put out, and starts pouring the boiling water into the teapot. Oh, Hagatha's uh, observing all of this, and she goes, look at us, in our own little coven. <laughs> Uh, you know, just uh, just the covenist. Mm. That didn't work. Sorry. You know, <laughs> not everyone's going to be a winner for listeners uh, wherever you might be, you know? Wait, someone's listening to us? 
No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. That was a, that that was a that was a mistimed joke there, Hags. Sorry about that. In the meantime, Barbara, as you're getting ready, why don't you let us know what that looks like? Who? What does Barbara look like? Describe her to us. So Barbara's got a blonde wig on. Okay, it's like pretty straight. You know, not a single curl in sight. Some bangs in the front, almost covering the eyebrows, if there were eyebrows, because she is a war forged. Okay, and then she's gonna. She was just wearing like a really nice robe, similar to the one that Pisani's wearing right now on our call. Link in the description to a screenshot. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> Only fans. Oh my! Different time, different place, Pisani. Please. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna change into just like a nice um like a nice white cotton dress okay that falls a little long okay but uh, but she likes it and then she puts on like kind of like a shawl like a pink or mauve shawl that's kind of lacy <gasps> very pretty mm. you know she also happens to be like six feet tall so if that helps with your picture uh, and then she's gonna slip on. She was going to do, uh, you know, a Nike-looking pair, you know? But no, she's going to do more of like a, like a slip-on, sort of like Vans or something. Mm. We can... I don't know what that would be here. What are we going to call that? Tans? Caravans. <laughs> she puts on a pair of the caravans, and um, she grabs a little puss that she holds, and she just looks in the in the full-length mirror that she's actually a little, like, just too tall for, so she can't really see, so she has to, like, crouch. But she thinks she looks... Fabulous. And with that, she'll walk out of the room. She's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Jess, how you doing? I'm doing great. The tea is steep. Are you going to join me for a nice little cuppa? Oh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, well, then I'll just pack. Do you have a thermos or something? Because I can take it on the go, you know. Oh, of course we do. And then Barbara's going to go into the kitchenette, open some cabinets, and pull out a lovely rose gold thermos. Mm. Mm. And Jessica uh, takes the rose gold thermos from Barbara and pours the tea into the thermos, putting the lid on and goes, well, it's, I'm ready to head on out. Me too. All right. Good luck, ladies. Thanks, Hags. Thank you, Haggy. And then Barbara's going to give her a light kiss on the cheek as she's heading out. <laughs> Get out of here, little scab. I'm going, I'm going. We're going, we're going. As Jessica exits, she goes up to Popcorn and goes, Popcorn, here, have a little bit of this tea. I just freshly brewed it. And uh, Jessica's going to, like, kind of pour some tea into Popcorn's mouth. Uh, you see Popcorn is very reluctant as he looks up from the game of tic-tac-toe that he's playing with Tony in the in the gravel, I guess. But you happen to know that Popcorn does indeed love his coffees and teas, especially from his friends at geekgrindcoffee.com slash germbus. Wow. So, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He sips on the tea and uh, kind of like takes a deep breath, like recomposing himself a little bit. Goes, and then bites the cap of the thermos that you were giving him tea out of and holds it over to Tony to offer him a little bit. And Tony takes a little lap out of it too. And he uh, he looks up to Popcorn and just very quickly like places his head against his romance. Oh, would you look at that. That is just precious. I know, oh. just, the, just the sweetest things, aren't they? Gosh. Uh, boys... Popcorn, Tony, this is Barbara. Barbara, this is Popcorn and Tony. Tony's the short, handsome one, and Popcorn's the the tall, efficient, lanky boy. They both just stare at you. Well, oh, 
and Barbara's gonna like kneel down a little bit and she's gonna shimmy or squat crawl her way over to Tony. She'll be like, it is an absolute pleasure to meet you. And she's gonna try and like grab one of his hooves and to shake it like they're shaking hands or something like that. He doesn't resist, but he doesn't quite shake you back either. He lets you shake it. Oh, that's fair. A pleasure to meet you, Tony Popcorn. Fabulous names, I must say. Oh, how could I possibly forget? And Barbara's gonna like pull out her purse and like dig through it just a little bit. And she's gonna pull out like two really big carrots and she's gonna hold them out for the boys to- What were you doing with those carrots? So I went shopping. The farmer's market happens every single Wednesday, okay? Yeah, you know, I stock up. But it's Tuesday, the 22nd of fall. These carrots are six days old. Last Wednesday, <laughs> damn it, it's a week. And she's gonna hold out the carrots for the boys to potentially nibble on. Now, listen, if I understand, you got a long travel, well, it's not that far, but hey, if you want to eat up now, or we can save it for later when you're hungry, okay? Up to you. She yeah, just... they, they both immediately take them, like, right on the spot. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Good, good. Okay. Well, uh, I suppose uh, we should mount up and head on over to Firefall Valley. Let's do just that, Jess. Great thinking. And Barbara's gonna lightly hop onto Tony. Again, six feet tall, okay? <laughs> A six-foot-tall woman on Tony the Pony. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just, I I didn't take Tony because I was worried. How tall are you, Jessica? But Jessica is five-foot-eight. <laughs> so. Well, you know, Barbara's going to get on and she's going to look at Tony and be like, how you doing? Am I too much? Look, I won't be offended. Just let a woman know, okay? Am I too much for you? He soldiers on bravely. <laughs> oh, attaboy. Okay. Okay. Jessica mounts up on popcorn and finally takes a, a good swig of the tea after not having had any before uh, Tony and popcorn had their bit. Hmm. Barbara, roll a performance check for me on this tea. Okay. Because I helped brew it, should I uh, roll an assist? Uh, you took the help action, I guess. So you, you give her advantage. <laughs> give me advantage? Okay. Ooh, that is a 15. Okay, Jessica, if you drink the rest of the thermos, you will get a temporary plus one to constitution. Oh. Jessica, like, after taking her first, like, swig of the tea, she goes, Oh my gosh, Barbara, this tea blend is fabulous. My, oh my, I just, I, and then, like, Jessica just, like, knocks her head back, takes off the cap of the thermos, (laughs) and, like, Open, like, almost unhinges her jaw, wraps her mouth around the entire top of the thermos, and just, like, downs the entire thing in, like, three big gulps. Oh, Je- well, I'm so glad to see that you enjoyed it, but be- Je- Jess, slow down now. You're gonna have to tinkle when we already left. What are you doing? Don't worry, my bladder is uh, as big as the horse, and she kind of smacks a uh, popcorn side. Oh! And he, he takes <laughs> off. Oh! Yes, it's, it's, let's, and then Jessica kind of looks back and goes, Barbara, looks like we're heading out. Oh, oh, here we go. Come on, Tony, come on. And she kind of gives Tony a little, a little, little kick on the side. <laughs> Tony starts running after popcorn. As you ride out of the lighthouse at Mallow and Shores and head northeast toward Firefall Valley. This has been 
Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Michael Pisani as Jessica Felcher and Amanda Fernandez Acosta as Barbara. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited and sound designed by Giancarlo Herrera. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our After the Show show, After the Drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sign. That's a geometric waveform or arc that rises and falls. And a new Canadian TTRPG and podcast inspired by that almost soothing mathematical motion. Let me show you. The action begins to rise as powerful strangers in a ruined yet vibrant world band together. If you run north, they will chase you. I suggest you stand behind me. Partner, I'd rather stand beside you if you're willing to help. Tension continues to mount higher as our characters must push themselves beyond their usual limits. As I'm climbing into the into the driver's seat, I'm going to say to Sarah, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. I'm driving now. And it peaks as a danger and excitement hits its zenith, leading to great failure or success. Fenriel would be just fire at this point. She straight up might die. Like, this encounter might murder you. You know what? You lit me on fire. We're going to be on fire, baby. And this tension relaxes. The tragedy, but more often humor, that comes with great pals being around a virtual table playing a game. Discover Sign on your favorite podcast player. S-I-N-E. The choices of the characters are theirs to make, but the fate of the world is up to the dice.